Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Let's keep it going. How about... Uh... Debbie in San Jose. Hi, Debbie. What are you doing? Hey, I'm waiting to talk to you. Not anymore. Okay, so I have two things. Um, This is a couple of days after, you know, the game. And I'm questioning whether the Packers really did outplay the Niners for most of the game. If you really look at it, which I have been looking, I've been thinking a lot, um... No team was ever more than one score ahead, and it went back and forth throughout the game. Um, the Niners got three touchdowns. Packers only got two. Niners settled for one field goal and missed one. Packers settled for two field goals and missed one. Um, so to me, I don't, I don't, how, I'm not, I don't think they outplayed the Niners. What do you think? Debbie, thanks. You, you think they got outplayed? I felt that way in the moment. I mean, outplayed is, I think, a little bit of an overstatement. If you look at how the game flow went, it felt like in the first half the Packers had the better chances. And if you look at just the raw numbers of the game, they're almost identical in terms of yardage. Yep. 330 for the Packers. The Niners had 363. And it was the two turnovers. So... I don't think that you can look at the the game and think that the Niners got outplayed. If you're a Packer fan, you see opportunity where you could have won that game in a number of different ways. Yeah. A pick six that you could have had that you dropped, a missed field goal that if you make it, then you're probably tied in that last drive. And you know Jordan Love can play for overtime, and maybe well, he doesn't make the same mistake that he made. I think that the game was pretty evenly played for the majority of the football game. I didn't see either team have the upper hand much at all. She might be right based on the fact that when we look at this stuff, that's where our emotion comes into play. Our emotion comes in is when we're rooting for the 49ers, we're like they're getting outplayed. They're getting outplayed. Because they definitely did not look like we thought that they would look, like we wanted them to look. Well, we thought that they would win by 10 or more. And the spread was 10, yep. and I think all of us, I know you and I both thought that they would win by the 10 points and cover the spread. So as that game goes on, and they're not only not covering the spread, but they're not winning, it feels like they're getting, quote, outplayed. But I agree with Debbie that you know they, they weren't really ever getting totally outplayed. They were down by a touchdown at the end of three quarters, and that was a surprise, but it wasn't like that they... We're only in the game because of a couple of fluke plays that went their way. No, I look at, I mean, a simpler way to say it, um, if you play a football game and nobody is ever up by more than one score, it's a tight game. Tight game, yeah. The two teams are pretty evenly matched. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, it feels like the Niners got outplayed because they were behind more than they were ahead in the second half, and because of expectation. So I think Debbie's got a point. Uh, Mark in Oakland next up. Hi, Mark. What you doing? been a while. I'm calling in with Mark, the wannabe closer, the State of the Union of <laughs> the 49ers. A little bit of an early call for you, Mark, so let's 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 see you do something special with it. Well, my whole schedule changed. That's why I haven't been able to call in lately. So here's what it is. First of all, they almost got outplayed, but they didn't. Second of all, I have called all year going, I don't care about the stats. I'm not sold on Brock Purdy being great yet or this team and he said here's what I feel like I've seen here's what I feel like they're becoming and then I have a larger question for both of you about the AFC versus the NFC what I feel like they were is a team that can really get on a roll when everything's on schedule is the fancy term I guess and, and the game plan's working and they're connecting and that keeps Purdy confident and that's awesome didn't mean a lot to me because I don't think that's what wins the Super Bowl. So the stats argument they got, that's all you guys talking about, that doesn't even matter to me. What I did see, though, was a team that gets shaky when they're in a tough game, under pressure. I saw a quarterback that does. I see a, a, a coach that does. And I feel like that's sort of psychologically the whole team. I think it's maybe even a residue from losing two Super Bowls. Now, what I feel like we saw this week was that team in the first half. It's shaky. They're up against a hot team. Everything's on the line. What I also feel like we saw is that possible, I hope it sticks, but at least for one game and an important game, we saw a transformation. Purdy got it done. They got it done in the gritty, hard game when it was all on the line. That's what I wanted to see. Shanahan didn't do anything weird coaching. They got the win. Will they keep doing it? I don't know because here's my question, but I think I'm happy with what I saw. This is the best way to see them win for me. It's what I wanted to see. Um. But AFC NFC reminds me of the old years when the Bills would just get destroyed by the NFC. You know, it's been, I feel like the NFC's grittier. It's not as big a disparity as there used to be. But what do you guys think on that? But this kind of win will help them beat the AFC if they get to the Super Bowl. Because it seems like those AFC teams just gnash at each other and beat each other up. But they're tough when they get in the Super Bowl. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, Mark, you might, you might be onto something there. Thanks, Mark. Great to hear from you always. 888 um, AFC, more battle-tested. Baltimore's going to have a harder road just by virtue of facing Mahomes, period. Just by virtue of playing Mahomes, I'll buy it. Harder road for them. And, I mean, look, Baltimore comes out of a division where everybody had a winning record. Right. Like, everybody was good. I know Cincinnati sort of fell off there at the end when Burrow was out, but, like, these were all good teams. So Three playoff teams. That's what they're playing every single week. And uh, and does that whether that's battle tested or whether that shapes our opinions about these teams, that is something that I worry about. Like I wonder if the 49ers look a little bit better than they are because of who they played. You know what I mean? Like we even what what did we get excited about throughout the year? Oh, they blew out Dallas. Well, how's that look now? Yeah. They blew out Philly. Well, how's that look a Same few weeks thing, later? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like who who did the Niners beat? That's super impressive. They blew out Jacksonville. Turned out that wasn't even a playoff team. Exactly. So you lost to the Rams. There's a measure. Your real team. You lost yeah. to Cleveland, a playoff team. And you know you look at the rest of your wins, and even your quality wins don't look that 
high quality anymore. The win over Pittsburgh quietly turns out to be one of your better wins in the year because Pittsburgh was a playoff team. And you mentioned the Dallas win, which looked great at the time, but looking back, maybe not so much. And Philadelphia, you broke the Eagles, but they probably were broken already, even though they were 10-1 and at the time. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, yeah, look through their schedule now, especially when it's like, okay, you mentioned Pittsburgh. That feels like it was a year ago. Right. And right. the other three teams in that division, the Niners lost to all three. They lost to all three, and, and the Ravens really took it to them. Um, you know, Niners beat the Seahawks twice. They beat the Bucks. These are like, you know, they're playoff teams yeah. or playoff contenders, Jaguars, all, all this stuff. And it's just like, eh. Like, looking back on their year, you go, what's the signature win? And I, I, I don't think it's changed. It's still Dallas and Philly. Yeah. But those aren't, those aren't as great of wins as we thought they were at the time. That's for sure. And I also think that the whole idea that Mark was putting out there about battle-tested, I think it doesn't even really matter when you get to the Super Bowl and you have two weeks off and you're 60 minutes away from either being Super Bowl champ or not. I don't think at that point you look at either team and think, well, they've got the edge because they're battle-tested. If it's Niners in Baltimore, you can look at Baltimore and say they have the edge because they beat the Niners, and that was only six weeks ago when the Super Bowl comes up. And you could look at that game and – you could say, well, the Niners have the edge because, you know, they outplayed Baltimore for the most part, other than three tipped passes that turned into interceptions. So you can look at that game and look at actual game tape and see who had the edge in that game. Kansas City's an interesting one because it's Pat Mahomes. And even though, and you and I have had this conversation on this very show, and that's kind of why I took Kansas City to beat Buffalo, is there's something about that guy He finds a way to get it done. And even that game last night, Buffalo, I don't know if they should have won, but they absolutely could have won. They could have won. They had that game. You know, it was going back and forth, and I was talking to my father-in-law, and he said, this feels like one of those last-team-to-have-it kind of games is going to win it. And then the fourth quarter turned into a defensive slugfest. Yeah, although if Miko Hardman doesn't fumble at the one-inch line, Kansas City's got that game. They right, but didn't Buffalo game. turn it over before that to give Kansas City the ball back? They went for it on fourth down, yes, right. and didn't get it. So that gave short field to Kansas City, and they were inside the five on the very next play. Pacheco went on a long run, set him up. Yeah. And uh, if the Chiefs go in there, they're up by 10, and that puppy's cooked. But uh, but obviously they didn't kept Buffalo in the game for now. Uh, Jay in the city here on Willard and Dibs. Hi Jay, what are you doing? Uh, picking up my wife from work. Okay, so this so Niners are a different team after after going in and smoking Philadelphia for whatever reason. But they're not the same juggernaut that we were prior to that game. Um, we would be in trouble against Baltimore. They, uh, Lamar Jackson is twenty five and one against the NFC. Uh, they came here and beat us, and obviously you guys just talked about that. But uh, uh, I'm worried, and I'm not sure what I should do. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> and, and we're still favorites, and, and Vegas still has us as favorites. I mean, we're of course, one, we're plus of course, five, and Baltimore plus two hundred. So yes, yes, of course I, I, they're favorites. I can't favorite. wrap my head around it. Um, worry about Detroit first would be my advice, and then uh, if we get through Detroit, and well, you'll know who they're going to play. Because that game's first on Sunday, but if it is Baltimore, then we can spend two weeks worrying about Baltimore and Lamar being twenty-five and one against the NFC. I'm squarely focused on Detroit 
you know, once we get past looking back at the Saturday victory, you start to look at Detroit and you realize seven point spread, but they're a very live, live underdog in this game for a number of reasons. Uh, maybe, maybe. I get where you're coming from. Look, Detroit's good. I've, I've never thought differently over the last year and a half of football. The Detroit Lions are very good. Um, and, uh, and so obviously they are a threat coming in this weekend. The other side to this, though, is, is uh, we look at the last time we saw a team and then totally kind of overrate, I think, uh, what that means about that team. So I'm hearing a lot of people today, it's fair to be concerned about certain specifics, but I don't think that that game means that that's who the Niners are every single week. Like, uh, you can take all kinds of negatives, you can take all kinds of positives, Every week in the NFL is completely different. This is going to be a different matchup, different weather, different time of day, different everything, and I expect a different look as well. I think it's going to be a more wide-open football game. Agreed. I think that if it is a more wide-open football game, then the area that I would look at, number one, as not a concern but something that needs to be different is the pass rush. And yes, the run defense was not stellar, although I think if you take out the 52-yard run, the numbers do look a little bit better, and people would be less appalled that they gave up 100 yards on the ground for the first time in 51 games to one individual. That's a definite factor, but I look at the pass rush against a Detroit offense that Jared Goff is not as mobile. He's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Pat Mahomes. He's not Jordan Love in terms of his ability to move and get away from the pass rush. So if you can collapse him from the inside, and I'm looking at Armstead and Hargrave and the other interior pass rushers, if you collapse the pocket, Jared Goff's going to have a really long day. 95-7 the game has just put this poll up on uh, its uh, its Twitter feed. So you can go vote on this and also weigh in here. I wonder what you would say. I think I have an idea of what you'll say here. Okay. What aspect of the 49ers has you most concerned after the close win? Number one, quarterback play. Number two, Debo's health. Number three, defensive line. Or number four, other. And please explain. Please explain. Yeah, Thank you, Roxy Bernstein. Yeah, exactly. How would you answer I that? already voted in this poll. As did I. I bet we voted the same. I bet we didn't. No. I I voted for Debo Samuel. Oh, interesting. I voted for Debo. That is the leader in the clubhouse right now. Yes. 54% of the vote is coming in on Debo's health. I'm more concerned about Debo's health because I think that's more of an actual question. I think that the defense and the defensive line, I think that they're going to be fine. I think this was a game where they didn't play great. Maybe it was... The fact that they had the wrong cleats on for a quarter. Maybe it was a little bit of rust. Maybe it was that Green Bay had a good game plan and they were able to neutralize the ends, especially on a lot of those runs. The the old pick and pull, or the pin and pull, rather, where you have the wide receiver come down and they pin the defensive end. It was Chase Young. It was Nick Bosa a couple of times. And then you pull the guard out to pick up the linebacker or the safety. They did that a bunch in the run game, and the Niners didn't make the adjustment. I think the Niners will make the adjustment. And I also think that Detroit runs a little bit more of a standard run game. I know I watched a lot of David Montgomery this year. He was my fantasy back. 
Except for the one week I had Except him on my bench. Yeah, when you decided not Off to play. Off the Steiny, that was a heartbreaker. But they run a lot more between the tackles. I think that they do a lot less of an exotic run scheme. So I'm less worried about the D-line than I am Debo Samuel. Because I saw the shoulder injury. He hurts it, and he stays down. Then he comes back in the game for a play or two, and then he goes to the locker room. Yep. And I know the reports are that nothing is broken in the shoulder, but it, it might be... Torn labrum might be separated shoulder. It might be something where he goes in again for a play or two, and then that's it. He can't go. Well, he was injured earlier this year. I think the New York Giants game, and they they, they put him out there, but they kind of put him out there as a decoy, right? And he barely touched the ball. Actually, it wasn't the Giants game. He was fantastic in that game. It might have been the game after that because I think he was a little bit dinged up. One of those games this year, they used Debo pretty much as a decoy. There is value in that. Um, I get that. I understand that. To me, that's sort of an extension of the answer quarterback play. And the poll is up on YouTube now as well, so you can get in there and vote on that. But Debo's health to me suggests that if Debo's not healthy, you have a lack of confidence of what the 49er offense can do. I I still think that they can play very well. I look at this game, and to me, it is very similar to what we said about the Packers. If those running backs, Gibbs and Montgomery, are not chunking plays on first down, if you're putting golf in obvious pass situations, you're going to be able to get to him. They've got a good offensive line, but he doesn't move well. And you can go get him, and uh, if the Niners do that, they're going to have a ton of success this weekend. Yeah, I like that as a as a blueprint in terms of stopping Detroit early on early downs. The reason why I voted for Debo in this poll is because he does so much for Kyle Shanahan's offense, even when he doesn't have the ball. The Debo motion and putting him in the backfield and putting McCaffrey on the line of scrimmage and all the sleight-of-hand stuff that Debo allows you to do, that all goes away. And we saw it in the opening snap of the second half when he had third and Jawan back there. Well, it was first down, and that's not what Jawan does. You handed it to him, he lost a yard, excuse me, and that, I think, was indicative of what the offense can't be when Debo's out. 888-957-9570. How about uh, Dan in Vallejo? Hi, Dan, what are you doing? Hey, guys, just on Vallejo. Guess what? You know what? Packer fan here. Love what my team did this year, and I'm going to tell you what. Secret is this. The seventh seed came in, took, took out Dallas, and almost took the Niners out. You know why? They studied tape, right? And guess what we looked at? We looked at the Ravens game against you guys. Guess what? Almost got you. Almost got you. You know what, Detroit? Division winner coming in. Going to do the same thing. Your defense is not what it is. Purdy's a, a, a program quarterback. He's got his toys all around him. He's got a lot of talent. But you do what the Ravens did in that in that Christmas Eve game, I think it was Christmas Eve. They're gonna tear them up. I'm telling you, every, for what uh, they were down by ten, ten point negatives by Vegas. They had, you know the Niners were predicted. They're seven now against Detroit. You keep saying, oh, they're gonna come in. Have, you, your Niners are gonna have success. Guess what? Everybody's on to what's going on in, in San Francisco. So, Dan, Dan, let me hear about that. I'd love to hear about it because there's no problem with coming in with smart takes, but I'd love to challenge you to actually speak to it because nobody in the history of ever has ever gotten ready for a football game without watching tape. That's what all of them do. So the idea that somebody got figured out as we go to the, the, the Final Four is, I'll be straight with you, man, that's funny to me. 
That's funny to me. And the Niners, you take away the batted balls that all got turned over against Baltimore, were absolutely hot knifing the Ravens' defense for a good portion of that first half, and then they got down and uh, and obviously into a bad spot. So you tell me, Dan, what is it that everyone's figured out about the Niners? Well, you look, well, well again, Purdy, if you, if you get – Debo's going to probably – if he's in the game, you're going to be lucky. You take away some of it, like I said, some of his key uh, safety nets, as to say. And guess what? He becomes your average. You know, he's Wilson in the Jets almost. He's he, he's a man. He's a game Come manager. On, man. He doesn't have if he has all the talent. Come on, he's gonna, man. He's going to do well. He doesn't. He's well, a program hey, quarterback, Mark. Come on, man. You just called him Zach Wilson of the Jets? That's, that's disrespectful, like, Come man. on, man. GTFOH. I know you got some beer still in you from Saturday night, but come on, man. Come on. And cheese, too. There's some cheese involved. What's that? I said seventh seed un- almost unseat you. Right but, they, but, right, but they didn't. But they didn't, Dan. <laughs> Think about that. They didn't. Think about the, va- the fact that Zach Wilson can barely win a game. Okay? Think about the fact that Brock Purdy um, has been the starter for two years in this league, and the Niners have ended up in the NFC Championship both times. So I'm not going to, like, dismiss every point that you're making. I wouldn't do that. But you got to come in with something that's not 50 miles in the other direction. Calling Brock Purdy Zach Wilson is absolutely crazy. Yeah, well, guess what? Detroit's coming strong. They're going to beat you. Hey, Dan, you want to bet? Huh? You want to? Uh, yeah, sure. You want to bet? Hey, okay. I'll, I'll come back on. I'll come back on. I'll come back on uh, uh, next Monday. No spread, Dan. No spread. We're talking no, about who's... Win or loss. I, I, okay. Win or loss. What do you all want? that stuff is... Is, is is garbage? You you see you see what it was. Uh, Dallas was supposed to beat the Packers. You guys were supposed to beat them by ten. Hey, guess what? Yeah, that, the that, Packers. That Vegas spread is out when pa- it comes to the North. The Packers are better. Well, that, now you're talking divisionally. I don't even know what that means. As if all those teams are the same. Uh, Green Bay is better than what they were at the beginning of the year. Nobody's questioning that, Dan. Your team put together a really nice playoff run. Great effort. I think the hell of Lafleur. He's a fantastic coach, um, but to come in and say that the Niners are basically frauds in the NFC title game for the fourth time in five years, compare Brock Purdy to, quite frankly, maybe the worst starting quarterback in the entire NFL. Dan, you're over your skis, dude. You're over your skis, and and you tell me. What do you want to bet? What do you want to bet? I'm not betting a lot of money, but what do you want to bet? Yeah, no. we like. Uh, where do you live, Dan? You live in Vallejo? Yes, sir. Okay. Here, go talk talk to Lucas. Lucas, just get Dan's number, and and we'll call you back. Um, I'm not. Let's gonna just agree. Right. You buy him lunch if the Niners lose, and right. I gotta go. I gotta oh, go to lunch up. with him now. No, you can send his Grubhub. Yeah. He hung up. Grubhub. You didn't have an opportunity no, to get I, his info. I, yeah, I, I, that's my bad. I hung up on him. Oh. That's my fault. He ran him. But he said he was going to call back. him. Yeah. You, you don't want a piece of that. Yeah, anyway. I don't want any of that smoke. I mean, he's the one who has to hold the L. He just lost to Zach Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like uh, I like what he was talking about in terms of what they what they saw on tape and they were able to exploit and whether or not the Lions can do the same thing. The Packers obviously didn't do it well enough to win the game. They were close, and you get credit for being a seven seed and beating Dallas. Yeah, they're good. And you get 
some credit for coming in here and giving the Niners a game, but you don't get to boast about an almost in a situation where it came down to a fourth quarter and one quarterback, I call him Zach Wilson West is what I call him. Uh-huh. Wilson West. He got the ball. Zachy West got the ball and was able to somehow you know, get the ball to his guys. He's a program quarterback, yep. and he ran the program, and he was better than Jordan Love. Look, uh, Brock Purdy did not have a great night. No, Nobody is going to try to throw that narrative out there. He was very wobbly for most of the night. But he absolutely gets credit for saving the best for last, and, uh, and, and that was what everyone said that he couldn't do. But no matter what he did the other night, let, let, let's keep Zach Wilson out of this. I agree. I mean, what are we, what are we doing? That's inflammatory. Well, I just, it's like, why does he trigger people at such a level? Because he's a program quarterback, Mark. Yes. Ryan Clark on ESPN earlier today. I'm about to um, make a confession. The single hardest thing I had to do this year was act like Brock Purdy deserved to be in the conversations with the other people we're mentioning in that tweet. Because he was playing extremely well and operating in that offense and distributing the ball to Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, we had to continue to include him in conversations with the Lamar Jacksons. We had to continue to include him in conversations with the Josh Allen. Those things are not alike. Brock Purdy is a fine player. Brock Purdy can operate in Kyle Shanahan's offense at an extremely efficient level. Brock Purdy doesn't raise the level of play of anyone around him. And so when you talk about Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, the people around them benefit from having those sorts of players at the quarterback position. Brock Purdy benefits from having the sort of players he has at the skill positions around him. Brock Purdy does not elevate the players around him. I mean, Brandon Ayuk uh, went for 1,342 yards. Last year, he barely eclipsed 1,000, and that was in 17 games. The year before that, he went for 826 in 17 games. This year, he only played 16. He went for 1342 and solidified himself as somebody that the 49ers want to break off this offseason. So, Ryan, call Brandon and ask if Brock Purdy elevated his play because his bank account is about to flourish. It's about to explode, yes. no doubt. And this is even in light of you know the game that you had against Green Bay where the Packers did look at some things that the Ravens did in that Christmas night game, and then they emulated it. Part of it was getting out in the flats and containing Christian McCaffrey in the pass game, seven catches for 30 yards. McCaffrey was unable to, to get a lot going in that dump-off short passing game. And also Green Bay did a good job of taking away the middle of the field in many instances, and that's including the opening drive where... You had a near pick six. Brock Purdy had a bunch of defenders in the middle of the field. He didn't see it, and he threw it right to him. So whether or not Detroit can do the same thing, and you were mentioning their pass defense, not very good. I think they're 29th in uh, yards per attempt against. They give up, I think, 6.4 yards per pass attempt, which is only better than three teams. So if Brock Purdy can get some time, and if Detroit doesn't replicate what worked against them, and Green Bay did a good job in many ways against the Niners in their pass attack. This game, it is even more important than normal to get that lead, to get that lead earlier. 
I think the Detroit Lions, they play a lot like the 49ers. Um, it's a timing offense. They have running backs that they like to feed, and they like to move the ball methodically down the field with those running backs. And then once they're in second and medium or third and short, they love to take their shots and use Amon Ron Laporta. And Jared Goff, if he's on time and in his right spot, is very, very good. If somebody is ever down by 10 in this football game, they're up a creek. They're going to be up a creek real, real fast um, because that's going to make them one-dimensional, and it's not a dimension that either one of them are very comfortable with. Let's go to Bill and San Mateo. Hi, Bill. What are you doing? Mr. Willard, Mr. Dibley. Hey, I think Vince from Vallejo, is, uh, his cheese head hat is a little too high, a little too tight on the head, right? I mean, wow. His name is Dan. Let's get it right if we're going to shoot uh, shots at him, Bill. Sorry, Mark. No, no, no. I just want to. If you're going to call someone out, let's make sure that he feels that embarrassment. You know what I mean? Done intentionally. Sorry. Hey, the only guy that touched on the kind of the obvious thing in the room was Dante Whitner post game. Before, and Dib just pointed it out uh, moments ago. Lafleur was putting people right in the middle of a bunch of patterns yesterday, just like all over the field. I mean, it was. Not really even talked about when I rewatched the game last night at uh, 11 o'clock at night or whatever it was. Huh. But big, big point. And that was, that was a bigger kind of like behind-the-scenes thing than anything else that was going on on Green Bay's side of the ball. And Kyle's got to adjust. And he, uh, he's got to adjust. Anyways, guys, out. Well, yeah, Bill, thanks. Bill, thanks. Kyle Shanahan's got to adjust. Well, and they did. They mm. started to throw the ball toward the boundary, and the catch by by Conway was a great example. Conley, yeah. Conley, yeah. And uh, you know, Jawan with, with his catch, yeah. also on the boundary, and that's something that is going to be made more difficult if you don't have Debo Samuel. We don't know his status, but Brandon Ayuk does so well on the in-breaking routes, but Green Bay was definitely crowding the middle of the field, taking a lot of that away. And they also were getting out to the flats for the Christian McCaffrey plays and also the Debo Samuel end arounds while he was in the game. Yeah, I, like that said, I also am always hesitant when a team has a great year and then you ask them to suddenly be someone totally different when, uh, when they get to the playoffs. That's what the Dallas defense did, and, uh, and they got it absolutely handed to them. So um, LaFleur knows Shanahan obviously very, very well. Dan Campbell does not. They've all got film. They all get it. Blocking the middle of the field and the crossing routes against Brock Purdy is obvious. Of course you're going to do that. Um, but uh, but I want Kyle to call the plays that he's been calling. It's been a hell of a year. Right. It's been a hell of a year. Outside of one game, statistically, he and his quarterback did very, very well almost every time they went out. Absolutely, but part of that has been adjusting to what you see and figuring out what the defense is trying to take away. And when you have an offense that's this good and a play caller who is this smart, you make the adjustment. And you could see it early on in the first half on the George Kittle touchdown where he goes down the middle of the field and it's man coverage, and he just goes right by the, the defender, and you put the ball up, and wasn't a beautiful pass, but it was on time and on target. Touchdown. And you make the adjustments if you're Kyle Shanahan, and part of this is the challenge of the Debo Samuel situation because I'm sure there are a bunch of plays he wants to install 
But if Debo's not going to be healthy enough to play, then you've got to change your approach somewhat. No doubt. And and you're in a better spot to do that if you know. You know, that's one thing that maybe we haven't discussed enough about. Like, it's not just losing Debo. It's losing him very early. And, uh, and your game plan gets blown up. And so maybe that had a lot to do with why the Niners were struggling on offense throughout the middle of the game. And then they get to the fourth quarter and things start to normalize a little bit because they were able to make those adjustments. Um, Buzz in Cocoa, Florida. Hey, Buzz, what are you doing? Hey, Mark. Hey, Dibs. How are you guys doing? What's Good. up? Hey, Dibs. I used to call you when you were on another station. Uh, my son was teammates with Madison Bumgarner in high school. Nice. I remember your calls. Anyway, they were great. You remember? Yeah, so I got good connections out there. Hey, guys, explain something to me. What happens to Shanahan in the playoffs? Does he get a severe brain cramp or something? Guys, explain to me what his thinking was at the end of the first half when he screwed up that clock management. He had 409 left to go, and he did close. The best we could do is get a 48 yard field goal. What happens to him in the playoffs? Does he get severe brain cramps or what? What's going on with him? A well, lemon booty is the answer. No, not a, not as far as that. You can point to not giving McCaffrey the ball enough. But, Buzz, when it comes to that particular thing, we talked about this earlier. I'm sure you missed it. No worries. Um, but this is one of the – I look at it this way. Anybody in a relationship, does your significant other have a quirk that makes you kind of roll your eyes? But you're like, but I love this person, and this person's amazing, so we're going to be good with that. It's like, it's all good. This is Kyle Shanahan's. He's a really good coach. He goes to the NFC title game almost every year. This is his thing. He does not want to give the other team the ball right before halftime. He wants to possess it for five minutes going into the half, five minutes coming out of the half. Is it effective? It wasn't Saturday. It has been in the past. It's part of his philosophy. I'm willing to deal with it. And, and they weren't just laying back for a field goal. The plays that they called didn't work. They didn't work. Um, but if he puts that three on the board and then the Niners come out and even get another field goal uh, with that opening drive, they didn't. Right. But, but you, see, you see the thought process. And, yes. And to me, it, makes, it makes sense if it works. It didn't work yeah, this week. I don't, I don't like it, and I know what he's trying to do. And I think I speak for many fans in saying I'd like him to be more aggressive I'm looking at the log right now. 409, McCaffrey goes for a yard. You let the clock run. Purdy goes to Jennings for 12 yards at, with 326 to go. You let the clock run. McCaffrey goes for two yards. Then that bleeds you all the way down to the two-minute warning. So now you have all three timeouts. Yep. Second and eight at your own 40 with three timeouts. Pass to McCaffrey for nine. That's the time I would like to see him use the timeout instead. You let the time run. First and 10 at your own 49. McCaffrey runs out of bounds. Then McCaffrey goes for three. Then you use your first time out with a minute 19 to go, setting up the third down. You get the third down. You use your second time out. But at this point, we're down to 28 seconds. And you could have had a minute and change still left and had the one time out. It just feels like he was playing for the field goal too early, and that's, I think, what frustrates fans. Yeah. Your point is a good one, though, in terms of the relationship, because the Niners are married to Kyle Shanahan, and this is something that he believes in. So to think that he's going to change, and I won't mention my lovely wife and her quirks, because I, I will out-quirk her 10 to 1 for sure. That's probably true. But there's a couple, and it's like, God, I wish that she would fill in the blank. But at some point, you got to realize she's not going to do these things. It's a part of her personality, yep. and this is a part of his personality, and it didn't work 
on Saturday, and it becomes more frustrating when that happens. No doubt, no doubt. But I do get it. I get the concept. I do too. And I also get, uh, I get leaning conservative on a rainy day. You know what I mean? Like Kyle, here's another obsession he has: don't turn the ball over. And by the way, why did the Niners win? Because Green Bay turned it over and the Niners didn't. Yeah. Period. That's why they won. And, and, and so um, you can make fun of these obsessions. And not, <coughs> excuse me, nothing works 100% of the time. Um, but by the same token, I get it. I get it. If you win that turnover battle, you're going to usually win the football game. Right. But it leaves you in a situation where the margin is much smaller than it would be. And maybe you're more aggressive at the end of the second quarter and he throws a pick. And Green Bay has that chance, and they go down and they score. And that's what Kyle... Kyle's more afraid of the turnover than he is covetous of the touchdown. He would rather do it the way he did it and be conservative and set his kicker up for what turned out to be, what, a 48-yarder that was blocked, a makeable kick. It's blocked. He would rather do that as opposed to take a big risk and maybe have an interception turn into points the other way. Uh, let's go to Brian and Hayward. Hey, Brian, what's going on? You're with Willard and Dibbs. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Um, first off, I want to say uh, I'm, I'm ready and waiting for the, uh, you know, substance abuse screening with the callers. Um, <laughs> I don't know what, why we haven't had that in place already, but you guys run the show, not me. Um, and the other thing I want to bring up is I was trying to explain to a family member who is a casual 49ers Bay Area native fan why people hate the quarterback of the 49ers. It doesn't matter who it is. For the last few years, Jimmy G got a lot of heat for being Jimmy G, okay? And I, I kind of had to explain it to him in the sense like, hey, we've got a stacked roster on both ends of the, uh, of the field, Okay. And each one of these guys is really, really good. They're one of the better position players at, at, in, in the league. And by the time you make your list, make, make your way down the list, and there's Brock Purdy, he's not one of the best quarterbacks in, in the league. He's a good quarterback, but he's not one of the best. Yep. So traditionally, we look at the quarterback as the leader. Whenever the quarterback isn't like far and away the best player on the team, everybody wants to give them a hard time for it. So he looks like he's 17 years old. We shouldn't treat him like he's a 40-year-old man, you know, who's been failing. Uh, uh, I think in the short amount of time he's been around, what would you say, Willard, like two years, two seasons? Yeah. He's barely been starter for two seasons. Come on, man. Give the guy a break. He's doing a phenomenal job. Um, I, I used to watch Jimmy G and, and stick up for the guy because I knew he had a good personality and all that. He was our old-school Antoine Jameson. Okay, great guy. Great for the team wasn't really producing as much as we could have had out of the guy. Um, but at the end of the day, man, we should be very, very fortunate to have a quarterback like Brock Purdy. We were very fortunate to have a quarterback like Jimmy G. No, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah, Brian, we got to run, but thank you very much. Listen, when you do what they did in the draft three years ago, it usually craters your franchise and you get fired. Sure. Brock Purdy saved your bacon, San Francisco. Yep. He saved your freaking bacon. So you can call him whatever you want. Uh, he saved this franchise from embarrassment and probably transition. No doubt. Um, we're sponsored by Safeway. More of your calls next on Willard and Dibs. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. 
There's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Realistically, need at least 25 yards. Pressure up the middle, runs away, throws across his body, and that is picked. 49ers have it, Greenlaw still up, he needs to get down, Greenlaw still on his feet. He's got to go down. Just go down and the game is over. San Francisco takes over. Were you yelling for, for Dre to get down on that second I think the whole stadium was yelling. Crew. I think I could hear you guys up there yelling him to get down. Yeah, see, they were in the back. Goodness gracious. You know what? I was like, dude, Dre, what are you playing backward, backyard football? Oh, my goodness. Like, the gate, the, just go down. Especially, like, every time he cut, it was like an NBA crossover. I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. So, yeah, that, that might have been the most stressful part of the night was his interception. Both of them. Just didn't want, yeah, didn't want to follow the convoy. That is what it is. We'll learn from it. Now, back to Willard and Dibs on 95.7 The Game. Monster Monday brought to you by First 5 California. Learn four things you can do to overcome toxic stress. Go to first5california.com. You can hear it from George Kittle. I think Kittle's kind of in my camp. It's like, that's funny. (laughs) That's not funny. Don't do that, dude. Don't do that. And Fred Warner talked about it, too, where he's like, I turned around to celebrate, and I turned back around, <laughs> and Dre's not only still running, but he's, like, swinging the ball like a chicken oh, wing. It's pretty funny. Running around out there. It's like, dude, there was still 40-something seconds on the clock. If you drop that ball, the Packers need 20 yards, and they're going to tie this game. If that guy could kick the ball straight, which I don't know. But, but still, like, um, it's all something we can laugh about now, but... That had the potential to be awful. It also had the potential to be fantastic. And I'm with you, Dre. If you're out there listening, I know you are. A couple more cutbacks, and you might have taken that thing all the way to his house. And I'm here for it. Make a play, Dre. He already was the player of the game on defense. No doubt. With two picks and the big tackle on fourth and one. He and Armstead combining to deny, quote-unquote, Jordan Love. On that fourth down play? Uh, Kosh Shanahan on the conference call today, still addressing Dre Greenlaw not falling down. I think he's glad that it ended the way he did, and I don't think he'll ever make that mistake again. We didn't get on him too hard, but he could tell how big of a deal it was after. We're very appreciative he made the play, but stuff can flip very fast 
if and you can ruin some of the best plays ever if um, you give a team any more of a chance and the way that game was going man we didn't need to give them any more chances so I think he learned his lesson and hopefully we'll never have to deal with that again so we didn't get on him too hard but we got on him a little hard Right. Yeah. How are you going to get on him too hard when he had two picks in the game and was fantastic? Yeah, but at the same time, man, I mean, I know you're you're kind of doing this tongue in cheek. A little bit. A little bit. But, but the bottom line is, is everybody appreciates smart sports, and nobody appreciates taking liberties yeah. with something that really matters to everybody. Like, do you know how much money's on the line as he's sure. running around with the ball and his wrist? Like if the Niners somehow got got eliminated from the playoffs because of that, like so again, I'm not trying to be nervous, Nelly. Man, um, all this, you nervous. I Nellies. sound like my mom right now. But what if you dropped it, Dre? Yeah. Dre. Uh, but like, it's my Ellen. Yeah, but don't do that. Don't 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 do that, and don't do that ever again. That's a teaching moment, certainly. And uh, you know, I would imagine that next time Dre Greenlaw's in that spot, well, he's going to do the exact same thing because that's how Dre Greenlaw plays. You think? I do think so, yeah. I, don't. I, I mean, don't. Dre's out there playing with a passion that you need. He plays with fire and flash. And, you know, he, he didn't do anything wrong. Sure he did. Sure he did. The only thing he didn't do right was he didn't make it to the end zone. I know. He, didn't, he didn't fumble the ball. Right. I know you're being... He you're, made the game-sealing pick. He got up, and he had some turf in front of him. If he scores a touchdown there, it seals the game. If a running back needs a first down to end the game... And they run around the right side, and they get the two yards that's necessary. But then they go out of bounds. We're ripping the guy. Right. You've got to think about where you are on the field and what will happen. Like, this is what I was taught playing Little League Baseball. Every single pitch. What do I do if the ball comes to me? Drake Greenlaw, look at the clock. What do I do if the ball comes to me? I catch it. And I stay down. Score. <laughs> Score. Come on, boy. Let's get That's to the end. That's not funny. <laughs> um, let's go to Connor and San Leandro. Hi, Connor. What are you doing? Hey, guys. Uh, just hanging out with uh, with my kid right now and listening to all the commentary. Uh, wow. Yeah, I, I got to say, I'm kind of surprised at the energy. I think we've been you know, so anxious about this over the last 48 hours. It's time to shake it off as a fan base. I mean, going into this, everyone said, Rust or rest. Rust or rest. Well, what is that? It's an ailment of great teams. And if it was rust, it would have looked exactly like this. We had a game plan around Debo Samuel. He gets hurt early. We have a quarterback who didn't realize the way that rain was going to affect him. Well, that stuff happens. But by the fourth quarter, we shook it off. And I'm really concerned that we're going to keep listening to what other people say about us and not hold them accountable. It's like, oh, it's rust arrest, rust arrest, and then this happens, and then they say, I knew it. Brock Purdy is a fraud. That's not what you all said. You said that 10 points was too much of a point spread for us to beat the Packers with. Going into this Lions game, I really hope that for, towards the end of the week we rediscover what we knew all uh, regular season long, that this is going to be a fun ride, and we need to get rid of that scarcity mindset. We've got a great quarterback. And we, if we get to the Super Bowl, it needs to be a fun ride for all of us. We we just we got to stop at the hand ringing at some point. And I hope it I hope it it starts tomorrow. Well, Connor, I don't disagree with you at all. It's a good call, but I'll also say this: sometimes when a fan base is overconfident or spoiled, and you could accuse the Forty Nine er fan base of both, 
Sometimes when that's the case, we won't, like, the opposite of what you're saying is true. Like, we won't acknowledge it when there are shortcomings. Because we're like, no, 49ers are the best team in football because I said so. Because I've thought that all year. And then you go out there and you show some shortcomings. And you don't acknowledge it. You go, oh, well, we're rusty. Maybe. Maybe. We've been doing this with the Warriors for two seasons now. Two seasons. It's, well, Draymond's out. And Clay's a slow starter. And Wiggins has got something going on. And, yeah, at a certain point, and I think we finally all arrived, it's like they're getting older and they're not as good anymore. I'm not saying I think that about the 49ers, but they've got questions to answer this weekend. They absolutely well, do. Well, and you also have to remember that the team that they're playing against is not only full of paid professionals, but they're a good team, they're too. They're good, yes. They're good. And Green Bay came in hot, and they went to Dallas, and we can all think what we want to think now about Dallas, but Dallas was a good team, and that was a very impressive road win by a Green Bay team that came here and thought that they could win the game. And then they played like they could win the game. So a lot of times we look at our own team's shortcomings and we don't realize that the team they played against schemed all week and planned all week to beat the 49ers, and they gave it a good effort. So it's not as simple as the Niners are the best team, and if they don't win the way we think they should win, then we do all this hand-wringing and throw our hands up in the air. No, you just got to win. You just got to win. Survive in advance, and and they they won. Yeah, and they did. Um, but I'm not going to lie. I want them to look better this weekend. I would like individuals to look better than, right, than they did in this game. You, I think that's fair. You want them to win. And then yes. beyond them winning, you want them to look good and win. Right, but I want the quarterback to look more in command. I want the quarterback to not have balls slipping out of his hands. Sure. I want Ambry Thomas to not commit pass interference. Um, I want Logan Ryan to not get a jersey. Uh, this weekend, like I, th- like there, that's okay too. I want the. I mean, defensive... who are you going to play in his place? That's well, the problem. I hope the Jair Brown is back. Right, I like him better. But I look. I hope that the defensive line gets some sacks. I think that's okay. It's all that's okay. Not being spoiled. It's not. But I do think that it all is not even secondary. It's further down the list to the obvious, which is win the game. And I know that you're sure. saying that as well. The win. We're taking that as the absolute goal, and beyond that, you want them to look good in a victory. You don't want them to look good. Ambry Thomas, no P.I., and and Logan Ryan looks great, and the pass rush has seven sacks, and you look up and you lost the game. You'd rather have them win the game with, with two P.I.s again and Ryan getting crushed in the secondary and the pass rush not getting home, but you still win. Then we can talk again next Monday about what they need to do in the uh, <clears throat> Super, Super Bowl, Bowl. Yeah. and talk about can they look better then. Uh, Shimmy in Redwood City. Hey, Shimmy, what are you doing? Hey, guys, how's it going? What's up? Shimmy. Good. Hey, uh, I pretty much agree with everything you guys are saying. Uh, you know, Debo going out early, the performance of the line, I think the Shanahan's calls. I think the thing that I've you – know, the question for me is, Watching Purdy during the regular season, he was so good, set our expectations to a certain level. And then, you know, the sample set we had of him in the playoffs last year were pretty good. Seattle game, he had a great second half. The Dallas game was a little tighter. Then he was out in the Eagles game. This is the, the next first sight we see at him in a high-pressure game. And he was the big reason. I mean, we're all talking about it. He was off. I, I think that was worse for me than the Shanahan play-calling. Because um, if he makes those throws that he made all year, 
that's a totally different game. I was at that game sitting in the Packers section, and it was intense for almost all the game until that last drive. And I even said, if you make this drive, this is how you go down, you know, and, and Niners legendary. So, and this guy comparing him to Josh Allen, all this stuff that he says is not on the level. That's you watch Josh Allen yesterday. He made every throw he needed to make in the pressure because he's been in those playoff situations over and over and over. The question is going to be, as we get more time to average out Purdy in playoffs to see how, how well he handles that that kind of pressure, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Shimmy, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, I've said it a few times today. This is still a young quarterback. This is still a young quarterback. So this is just my answer. Um, I tossed this around a little bit over the weekend. Was Saturday a good day for Brock Purdy or not? Uh, it's mixed. It's yeah. not as easy as good or bad. I, it like, was bad, and then it became good. I guess does the good outweigh the bad? The good does for me. I agree. Because what he did he won. is what, well, he came back and yes. won. And we all have been waiting for him to do that very thing, and he did it in bad conditions and after having a bad game. It'd be one thing if he had thrown for 370 and then he still had a comeback. That would be nice, but he did it in foul weather in the playoffs after being down. Good day for Brock. Uh, here comes Grandy. He's going to start off with the key reactions from the morning roast. Bonte and Joe, you'll hear their voices coming up, and it's brought to you by Fremont Bank, full-service banking, no compromises, a full hour with Grandy. Uh, as for you, Dan Dibley, you uh, want to do it again tomorrow? I do, yeah. Okay, then we will. For Dibs, for Grandy, for Lucas, I'm Mark. Please shoot your shot because it's all you got. <laughs> That's not funny. The Road to Vegas is brought to you by Marowest Credit Union. Working for you today, tomorrow, together. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.